to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, today on the Unicorns, my guest is Daniel Lai, the CEO of information security pioneer Arctis from Canberra. Arctis is on the ASX. It's a publicly traded company. The code is AR9. Established in 2006, Arctis is a global provider of software that allows organizations to securely share and collaborate on secret and sensitive information. The company's award-winning data-centric information security solutions protect the world's most sensitive content in government and regulated industries through attribute-based access and control policies. It provides information security to a number of high-profile clients, including the Australian Department of Defence, KPMG, SAP and DHL. With high profile defense announcements such as AUKUS and the Defense Strategic Review this year, it's a good time to drill down into where the opportunities lie for defense technology providers like Arctis, how the international market has reacted in response to the continued conflict in Ukraine and the company's strategy of going to market through partnerships to further expand into the private sector. G'day, Daniel. Welcome back to the Unicorns. Thank you very much for having me. So what does AUKUS mean for Arctis and how does Arctis technology get deployed by defence customers? Well, two, two, two questions there and both very important. Um, it's more than just AUKUS because it's it's fundamentally the entire alliance ecosystem that needs to share information. AUKUS is um, you know certainly about supply chain resilience and sovereignty and the interoperability of the key alliance between the Australia, the US, and the UK. And, and of course, the the whole purpose behind the, that AUKUS um, alliance is that understanding that the greatest competitive advantage that the West has in, in confronting the new geopolitical challenges is its ability to form alliances and interoperate. And that's, that's absolutely, um, to do that successfully, you need to be able to share information both at a strategic, operational and tactical layer. And that is the fundamental number one problem that will lead to better decision-making, better risk analysis, and better, um, you know, force multiplier on the ground is at the moment. So, so that's, that's, the, that's the first thing. But that also extends to the quad. It also extends to the Five Eyes um, and other alliances that are being built up, such as Southeast Asia. I mean, we just saw um, Anthony Albanese in Vietnam building up Southeast Asian relationships as well. And so the, the second part of that question was, how does your technology get deployed by these defence customers? Can you get into the details on that? Yep, I can give you a couple, of, a couple of very clear examples of it. The first one is that we are, you know, our goal, we have three very key goals in the market. The first one is to be the preferred platform for sharing information across defence, those alliances, and the defence industry. And we have a, a pro products there called Cogency, which is that 
that integrated platform, but we also have products which enable defence forces and defence industry providers to do that as well. A good example of that is, you know, um, Talus, who uses our products, but they don't just use it for the Australian Defence Department, they use it for other defence clients as well. Um, now, also, when the Australian Department of Defence uses our products to share information in the AUKUS arrangement and also with the Five Eyes allies, um, it obviously gets used by other allied partners who are also looking for those types of solutions. So it's a network growth effect through the use of the product to solve those information sharing challenges. Let's turn to the Defence Strategic Review this year. There was a lot of commentary, a lot of people had their say. Uh, some people suggested that it contained no new money for the broader ecosystem. I'm keen to know, Dan, your thoughts on the Defence Strategic Review and whether there were any less discussed opportunities that you saw in the review, particularly for, Ar uh, for Arctis? Particularly for us, it has been a, a good thing. And I think it will continue to be a good thing because it, it'll um, focus um, on those important points I just made about sharing of information. So you are correct. There was no new identified additional budgetary um, money coming in for to solve the Defence Strategic Review. What there was, though, was the reprioritization of what they had to do and where they had to focus. And what that meant was there was an, a, a strategic shift in the focus of what was already an enormous budget comparatively to the rest of Australia spending money on cyber and information and, and, and capability uplift. That has now been focused directly on the, the warfighter for, for lack of... Um, uh, terminology here to realign its strategic capabilities to the new geopolitical situation. So what's that mean? It means the money's being stopped being spent on just corporate um, enterprise capabilities and directly focused on the alliances and the warfighter and new technologies and building submarines and, and redirecting projectiles and all of these things, which of course goes back to my first point, which is they all need information sharing and data interoperability to, to have a, um, an effect. And so that's been good for us. But it also means the de defence supply chain is being diversified into the UK and the US across those primes, which means, again, with strict compliance and the threat of cybersecurity um, threats and, and uh, third parties and state actors, it means also that they have to tighten up that regime across the supply chain. So once again, good for us because there's a clear niche for a uh, trusted broker for sharing of defence information and industrial base. So that, that's all good for us. Well, you touched on a point there that I'd like to raise. So Vault Typhoon is just the most recent in a string of high-profile hacks. Uh, it's interesting to see that the signals directorate identified the culprit, and that was China. So is this a sign, do you think, that there's a lot of changes to the way information is going to be shared about cyber attacks in the future? It's not just cyber attacks, but absolutely, you're on point. The first there is how do we share information about these attacks because um, particularly zero-day attacks um, and state-based um, attacks. So how do we get that information out absolutely quickly, 
critically, time time is essential in responding to those. And as you know, you've seen in relation with the new legislation on the national critical infrastructure and home affairs, um, when you look at that, there is pretty much not a single industry that is not now classified as national critical infrastructure, which mm. can be affected by cyber threats. So timeliness of sharing that information, absolutely critical. So if we look at the last 12 months for Arctis, you've signed some big named private sector contracts, most recently with DHL. Is this a change of strategy for the business from focusing primarily on defence? Uh, actually, no. It, um, the DHL, which is you know an important deal for us, I think it was $350,000, $110,000 annual recurring revenue across the three years. That was a, that actually is an extension of the success of um, a merger and a, well an acquisition of the technology from Cypherpoint. Did mm. some encryption products, which we've now been able to take DHL on that journey of uplifting it onto one of our products called NC Protect and NC Encrypt, which is the latest version of that Cypherpoint product rebuilt and and improved. To, to work with policy enforcement. Um, so, so that's an uplift story of um, replacing um, that Cypherpoint technology with what we've built into a new product called NC Encrypt. Um, and we're seeing that in the marketplace. So it's been a, a two-year program of work, one, to develop the new product, and two, now to go out there and uplift those existing client bases. So we, are, we will always look outside, and we have many use cases for manufacturing intellectual property, biomedical, financial information and everything else. But what we have done is realised after two years of COVID um, and also the most recent you know, economic um, environment, that the market is no longer rewarding growth on its own. It is now rewarding profitability. And that has meant over the last 12 months that we have refocused. And of course, expansion is expensive. So it's um, what we have done is doubled down on where we are being successful. We started to very much focus on our operational costs, not necessarily at the expense of growth, but certainly we need to get that down to get to cash flow neutral as quickly as possible and be rewarded by the market for that and, and make sure we have a viable business moving forward. But also not inhibit that growth that we see and make sure that we focus our uh, resources on the growth that we know we can capture. And that's what we've been doing. So that means focusing back into the defence and defence industrial base where we know we have a, a, a strong use case, strong market demand and strong brand recognition. We will continue to work on those opportunities in the manufacturing industry. And of course, defence industrial base is an example of manufacturing and, and industry. Um, but once we get those revenues really driving the the foundations of the business will look to expand more aggressively because it, there's a lot of use cases, marketing, uh, training, um, and, and crossing the chasm with new products, for, particularly in the data-centric security space uh, that needs to be invested to win those spaces. Um, but certainly, we, we haven't run away from that, but we're just not as focused on it. But it was it's a good win, the DHL win. And of course, there's other wins out there, such as Hasbro and, and others, which we, you know we, we're quite... Um, excited about the prospects for the company. And that's what we will drive through the alliances rather than 
to our direct sales force. What have your investors and your shareholders said about the the recent wins? I'm hoping they're happy. <laughs> well, they always want to see more. <laughs> I mean, that's the wonderful thing about the ASX. It's an insatiable market. And so, yes. you know, it's a, it's one of those things where we have always have a conundrum being a, a cyber security or an information security company in what we can and can't say about our clients and what they're using the products for. But what I can say... It's very, it's, it's very, it's very true. You can't really go into the details can you no no no, you can't and but but what i can say is that um you know the the prospects are looking strong and um you know we we certainly have had a continuing growth story uh you know our q3 was 107 percent revenue growth on the prior uh, comparative period uh the q2 was 35 percent growth in that prior comparative period um arr in q3 was up 67 percent on the prior comparative period. Um, In Q2, it was up 116%. In Q1, it was up 97%. So the the growth statistics are there for the company. Um, It certainly won't happen, and as our current investors know, it certainly hasn't happened overnight. But that's okay. I I think that if you're growing at a sustainable rate, and and that when you start to hit that, um, that acceleration point of growth, and we are we are certainly heading to in that direction. Um, that you know, it gives gives investors confidence that you're executing correctly, sustainably, and that when the growth actually happens, it's real growth, and, and it's going to be rewarded in your ARR and your profit bottom line. Um, and, and these clients that we are targeting are particularly sticky. We're not looking at three, four year clients. We're looking at you know ten, fifteen year contracts. Well, it's been a tough 12 months for the tech sector, both here in Australia, but also globally. Do you think we'll see a bounce back in the in the next financial year? What, what are your tea leaves telling you, Dan, in relation to tech in particular? Look, it's an interesting, it's an interesting market and, and, and there's so many variables out there. I mean, you've just seen what has happened in the US with getting the debt ceiling lifted yes. and, and et cetera. There's so many variables in the market which can affect it today and there's so many more uncertainties um, in, in the marketplace. So in response to your question, I guess for Arctis, it means focusing uh, not worrying about everything else that's going out there, because I think in particular, if you can continue to grow and, and shoot shoot the lights out in your in your growth, your ARR and your, your gross margin, and you are profitable, I think that, that you'll be looked after in the marketplace. Right. So I, I don't think I can worry so much about what else is happening out there. Uh, a good example is, you know, even last night when we saw a ch- images of a Chinese warship cutting off a U.S. warship. Um, the the defence space is is not going to change in terms of the escalation of its spending. Um, It is committed to solving secure information sharing and with classified information. It needs to. Uh, It's a recession-proof industry. It's the fastest-growing global sector by GDP. Um, So that's another reason why we're focused on that market through this period of time. What does the competitive landscape look like for Arctis? Dan? It's an excellent question too. Um, we are not finding, I mean, over the last 18 months, nearly every single deal that we have done has been sole sourced. Yeah, okay. That's that's a really unbelievable statistic. A- and that really tells you about what's happening in this space. So 
Why is all of that happening? Well, the first one is that with all of these cyber threats and state actors being so smart and, and everything else, and technology and the hacking of technology being a great equaliser across multiple different states, the network is compromised. The network is contested, and that's brought in this whole theory of zero trust or not trusting anything, validate everything. And the most valuable asset that we have is our data. So if your data is being contested, you're in a really bad space. So, so what we've done is looked at data-centric security to secure the data itself rather than the network. And, and we are seeing you know, a 30% compound uh, annual growth rate in this market, but it, it, is, it is still an emerging, it is still an emerging market. Um, and we are leading the world in that. And that's why we probably don't have as many competitors as, say, a firewall or a router or, or antivirus, which has become ubiquitous, but all focuses on the network. So we're in a very unique space. Of course, informa- the other reason that we're very different is that stuff either protects, detects, stops. You know, it's very black and white security controls, whereas what we do is enable and we enable securely that sharing. And that sharing is what actually gives productivity. So this also goes back to your last question. What do I see in the tech sector? Technology is the competitive advantage, not only for the alliances and defense, but also for industry to get back to productivity increases, which is the only way out of stagnation and recession. Um, And we've seen that glimpses of that through chat gpt and other technologies rapidly evolving to i was i was going to ask you about ai what are your what are your thoughts on i mean it's gone absolutely gangbusters over the past 12 months maybe even last six months but obviously ai has been it's been around for a, a long time no doubt you would have been exposed to it as well in your industry what's your take on where things are going well i think what chat gpt has done is brought it to the forefront of the consciousness of the public it has been being hunter level for a long time yep. but the the ability for that plain language interaction and response is what's so exciting um, and, and this is the key to it, isn't it? Usability of any of these t- new technology is what drives adoption. Um, you just need to go back to the iPhone to understand that. And um, it's that ability to use it simply and quickly and intuitively. And that's what we are doing with security um, to enable it to, to, in that way. So I think that you're going to see um, AI more, much more pre- prevalent in, in the way that we do security, but in a much more, not black and white, yes, no decisions, but risk-based decisions. If I'm down at the cafe, what information can I see and how? what can I do with it? If I'm sitting in the office in, in a security cleared space, maybe I'll get access to all of that information. If I'm flying across into China, maybe I don't get to see any of that information. But when I land in London and I go into the head office, I see parts of that information which are a general use, but not necessarily Australian eyes only. Uh, another good example of that is PwC. I mean, you know, how do you build Chinese walls within your own community? Yes. Stop sending information to those people who shouldn't have it. I mean, that's all data-centric security. That should have been solved. And, and you know, they're not the only ones. Deloitte, Accenture, um, KPMG, they've all got the same problem. How do they manage this? And, and clearly the answer is, um, you know, they, not, uh, very well. yeah, not very well. Not very well. 
<laughs> and what's the, the cost moment. of that? Let's have a think about that. What's the cost of that? It's a mm. massive. Let's um let's quick quickly head overseas. This conflict in Ukraine has been going on for a long time now. H- have there been as a, as a result of what's been happening there? Have there been any opportunities or on the flip side any threats for for the business? No, there's no threats for the business, but there is opportunity. And again, our long-term shareholders would know that we've been dealing with NATO for quite some time, advising them on their data center security. Now, while they're behind in how to apply that into their environment and share that information between the 28 nation states, it is being accelerated because of the threats and the risks in the Ukraine and the direct threat that Russia poses. The, the, the other thing that I think is notable about that is the focus of the sharing of that technology and and weapon systems and the training of all of that. So, so it is a legitimate um, case uh, of understanding how these problems exist and how they need to be solved. Um, so there is definitely opportunity. In fact, um, my last visit a month ago to the UK, the number one topic was how do we share information across allies at varying levels of trust. And, and so you can understand where AUKUS is a central trust, and, and a very tightly and, and long-term relationship built over years and years, um, building new trust uh, models with different 28 countries is a vastly different conversation. So Arctis has operations both here in Australia and in the United States. Where do you see most of the growth coming from for the business in the next 12 months? Well, 87% of our sales and licensing and, and revenue has come out of APAC. Um, and as I said, you know, we, we will continue to double down and drive that through until we see significant revenues in the business to, to fund that expansion because we're no longer looking to go out and do uh, growth on the back of capital. Um, so, so, so that's important to note. Obviously, you cannot ignore the world's largest market, which is the US. I mean, there's $2.1 trillion being spent in global defense industry. Out of two countries, they make up uh, 52% of that expenditure, being China and the US, which demonstrates why we've got an office there and why we're, we're working so hard in that space to close some deals and to bring that market to bear because it's such a massive opportunity. But that does not mean you can ignore the other growth markets. Asia is a growth market. Uh, UK and EMEA is a growth market. Um, we, we still continue to, to focus on that, but we'll do that through those alliances that you know, you've know you mentioned before, the Microsoft Alliance, the Talus Alliance, the NetApp Alliance, the, you know, the, uh, you know, our partner and distributor in Southeast Asia, iSprint. So we have a number of, um, I guess, go-to market strategies that we have been building up over the last 18 months to two years with the product base to get the understanding, the training and, and the, the, the sales um, machines turning over to have, make sure that when as we take these opportunities and win these opportunities, we've got that foundation and infrastructure in there to manage the growth. Um, and, that, and, that, and that's certainly um, the signs that we are seeing in there and the opportunities that they're bringing into the pipeline. You know, we are getting good indications of that. But as I said, 87% right now is in, in APAC. We would like to see that, you know, 
turn over. I, I would expect in, you know, and hoping that then in five years that it's remarkably different. And, and again, that's just because of the, sh- the, the sheer size of the different markets. Australia's Defence Department is 1% of that $2.1 trillion. Final question for you, Dan. How do you describe what it is that Arctis does? So when you're, when you're with your, you know, your mates at a barbecue or at the pub and they go, what are you doing, Dan? What, what, what does Arctis actually do? Like, how do you describe the business? Well, I, I just say, you know, when they ask, you know, what do you do? You know, and how do you do it sort of thing, those two big important questions. And why do you do it, I think, which is the, probably the most important question. Yes. You know, and so why why do we do what we do? Well, it's really simple. Um, you know, trust is absolutely essential to reach your potential. You, no one does it alone. We, we need to trust others to do that, whether it's sharing of information or, or, and that's a human trait. It's not actually a technical trait. And what we do is we build trust in the digital domain so clients can share and collaborate on their sensitive and classified information to, to, to you know, increase productivity and value in what they do. Um, and, and we do that by implementing data-centric security to deliver dynamic risk-based access to share that information. Um, and when I say that, you know, the, the key to that message is dynamic means every time you make it an action to access information, it's validating whether or not you should. So it's real-time checking. Risk-based means, like, I, I can change the access based upon the context of how you access it. Like I said, if you're down at the local coffee shop or whether you're in the, the hierarchy of defence or whether you're on a plane or, or whether you're landing at, at a partner's location somewhere else in the world. It can change the access and what you can do, whether or not you can download it, whether or not you can print it, whether or not you're in a secure view with your name written about it so you won't take a photo of it. Um, All of those types of dynamic controls, you know, and you can see that link with AI coming in, how we, we manage that, but also enables the collaboration and sharing of that sensitive information so it's not just locked up and no one can access it because that's not enablement and that's not productivity. So it's, it really is quite a change to the way that uh, information security works, um, but it is a real critical game changer for how information works. Always great to catch up with you, Daniel. Daniel Lai, the CEO of Arctis. It's on the ASX, ASX AR9. Daniel, thanks for coming back onto the unicorns and all the very best in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. 